Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Keep it sacred. I'm not Josh, but I am here this week with my buddy Joe Smalley from over at the Critical Frames podcast. We've had him on here before, many different episodes on Sacred Icon, and he is going to fill in for Josh because, well, basically we've all been wrecked in the past week. Josh is out with back problems, Um, I've had COVID all week, and Joe's had the flu all week. So um, Joe and I still have our respective sicknesses, but we're feeling better than we were. And we're going to try to record without tons of coughing and labored breathing and maybe mute the mic when we have to. Um, But we're here to uh, make up uh, an episode uh, for Sacred Icon this week since we haven't got one out, since Josh is out. And uh, I was thinking about the last episode Josh and I did, which was the, uh, the backdoor pilot episode where we mentioned six different episodes we would like to do on six different topics. And one of them was Cyberpunk 2077. And the person that I've surprisingly been talking about Cyberpunk with the most has been Joe. So I thought, why doesn't Joe come on? We'll spend about an hour and we'll talk about our whole experience with Cyberpunk 2077 and um, our thoughts on it as it is today. So, and hopefully, if it's possible, we won't spend any of that time dogging on Starfield, but it always seems to work its way in there. Um, so we'll, we'll try not to do that. But uh, Joe, welcome. Uh, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, I don't know if you can tell listeners by my voice, but it's very hoarse. Um, and, I, and not to get obviously too in depth, but it is very uh, phlegmy. Um, so obviously there'll be a lot of muting of the microphones as we as we yeah. talk and stuff. But aside from that, I'm feeling good. Like I think I'm on the mend uh, regarding this uh, this flu. And uh, I'm excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure, um, as always, Brian. And uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, Cyberpunk because it's a, it's a, it's a big love of mine. You're probably, unless hopefully Josh isn't offended by this, I think you're the person that I know who's most excited to talk about Cyberpunk in my mm. life. Mm-hmm. Joe De- or, uh, Josh definitely would have wanted to be that person back more towards launch, but I feel like once the launch was botched, and mm. he put it aside for a while. I think his hype kind of died down. His hype was huge for it on the build-up, but I don't know if he's... He's definitely big on the game still now, but I feel like it's dwindled a little bit. But yeah, Joe's pretty much the person that I can relate to talking with Cyberpunk the most because it feels like most people in our community either haven't played it or they did and just, I don't know, I guess it doesn't stick with them as much. I don't mm. know. Do you get that vibe, Joe, in the Discord and stuff? Yeah, I do. And I also think just because of the launch and, and even in some ways the 
there's obviously an ever-present thing with the bugs of the game, even slow in 2.0 yeah. and stuff like that. But it's not a it's not a perfectly fixed game. You know, it's not as immaculate as something like Red Dead Redemption 2 or something like that. But um, I think people still have this stigmatism behind, uh, you know, against uh, you know uh, Cyberpunk, and and I, I think that is fair. Um, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think what the game does. Uh, obviously, we'll get into it and stuff further down the line. But what the game does alongside uh, even with those bugs uh, alongside it is pretty incredible so yeah no I, I think uh it's pretty much earned it's made its bed by you know them releasing the game in the state they did and and like having all the patches and fixes and, mm-hmm. and it still being buggy today so like it's it's made its bed it's earned it but like at the same time i think anybody who's willing to revisit it will see that like wow this is a really special game that they just tried to push out before it was ready um but going off of that um Joe, t- take us take us from the beginning, from like the very first time you heard about Cyberpunk, mm. whether it be its announcement or a trailer, yeah. what your hype was like for it, what it felt like waiting for that game coming off of Witcher, which was a prior game, mm. Witcher 3, which is one of your favorite mm. games of all time. Um, and then the, up to, up, the favorite game of all time. That's your favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, the favorite. Okay. I always get it mixed up between that and Death Stranding there we go. and <laughs> Metal Gear yeah. and God of War. Those four, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey, I feel proud that I remembered all those, actually. Yeah, 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 you know me. I remember See? Your, your favorites, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so take us through that. Get us get us to launch, and then we'll pass it back to me, and I'll share my experience. Yeah, uh, well, so my sort of journey with Cyberpunk obviously started with The Witcher 3. Um, and a lot of people are thinking, like, what, what, what do you want about? Like, there's no, obviously, like, sort of things of Cyberpunk in, like, di- direct references, necessarily. Uh, Cyberpunk. However, there is one very off the cuff uh, kind of conversation that happens in The Witcher Three with Siri, uh, with Geralt, um, when you find her, and she she basically is a character that can teleport to different worlds because she's got the Elder Blood power in that game, um, and she references all these uh, like flying cars and and people with metal in their body and and all this stuff. And Geralt's basically like, "Oh, get off it, Siri! You're talking rubbish." Basically, I didn't know. Um, you didn't know this. You would have experienced it. You'd have experienced it, but it probably just passed over your head because it's in the main story. You cannot, uh, you cannot miss it. Um, And it's a really cool, like little reference that, that, um, that they have that CD put in. Um, And then obviously shortly after that, um, they released that sort of CG trailer where that woman with the mantis blades in her arms, I can't remember what it's exactly called. I think it might just be an announcement trailer. I watched Um, it the other day. Yeah. yeah, It's really cool. Um, And that was kind of the point where I was like, what is this? Because someone who is a massive fan of everything that is cyber cyberpunk orientated in that genre, like Blade Runner and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, this looks absolutely incredible. Obviously it's just CG. So you can't obviously just take it for what it is. Um, and then after that, the, uh, it was, it was in full swing. Obviously I love the Witcher three blood and wine or the DLCs. I think that game is like an absolute, perfect video game for me personally it's not a perfect video game objectively obviously it's got movement issues combat issues etc etc but that was the first game that truly brought me into the world of like what uh like my passion for video games uh going forward like became massive because of it um and then they started doing all the trailers you know the one where it like you're in like there was in the tram and it like panned to the outside and it's like the city of dreams and stuff like that yeah. and it's like it's that upbeat trailer i was like oh that's so cool and then they started doing all the um they started doing the uh 
uh, what was it like all the the night city wire uh in-depth development yeah. talks and stuff and i was watching every single one of those like every single one i was there i was like live live stream in i was like watching it i was watching it on my chat when i was streaming it was so good every single like every single thing in those trailers was like this is dope they're being open about the development it seemed at the time you know uh they were showing off all these amazing features there was uh talking to the developers giving them lime uh, the the spotlight and it just felt brilliant like it was like this is the most open i've ever seen like a game development studio be about their game um however it seemed like that to preface that like CD Projekt Red had already built this incredible reputation because mm-hmm. Witcher 3, like, it came out with all this free DLC, like yep. a, a soundtrack built mm-hmm. into the, with came with the game, a map, mm-hmm. and they just, and there was no bullshit, and it yep. worked, and they just had their consumers, like, clued into, like, before Cyberpunk released, CD Projekt Red was, like, one of those golden studios that you thought... Mm. They almost seemed like they were in it for the good of the people and not the mm. money, even though you knew, of course, it's about the money. But like, it's always it felt about special. money. Yeah. yeah, like the bottom line is very important. But like, one, of, I mean, just like sort of uh, like kind of tangenting off that a little bit. One of the things that always blew me away when it came to CD Projekt Red was like, I got into the Witcher series and CD Projekt Red with Witcher Three, like everyone else. Since then, I've gone back many times and played the original Witcher on PC, which I think is underrated as hell. Um, I played The Witcher 2, which I don't think is as good as The Witcher 1, which is a complete juxtaposition to the consensus opinion. Um, And I've read all the books numerous times. I think I've read every single book at least three times, right? Um, I love that world. Witcher 2 good to you? No, The Witcher 2 is good. It's just that the the thing with The Witcher 2, again, not to tangent off the tangent too much, is that The Witcher 2 requires you to play it twice over. It really does, to see everything. Because halfway through the game you have a very important choice to pick one of the two characters. Um, and if you pick one or the other, you don't literally half the game. You don't see because it's way okay. different. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I start on the Witcher three, like a lot of people. And the thing that blew me away as soon as I, because originally when I played the Witcher three, it was on the Xbox one. So it was physical. I got the box and everything. I opened it up and inside was like a pamphlet or a leaflet or whatever. And it said, Thank you for buying our game. And it had like this whole like tribute kind of thing. And like, thank you from the studio and et cetera, et cetera. I remember just sitting there, like opening it before I even played it and being like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Like it, it, obviously it's mass printed, it's mass produced, but it just felt personal. It felt amazing. It felt like they actually cared. And I'd, I'd never have seen that before. You know, because I knew- most companies would have said, you know, we can mm. save $8,000 if we don't print these. Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, and I was like, well, it can only go downhill from here, essentially. This is like the best first impression you can you can provide for me. Um, and yeah, like uh, I, I obviously that didn't happen. The, the game absolutely blew me away. And ever since then, I've been an absolute massive fan of CD Projekt Red, even when Cyberpunk obviously had its, its dodgy release. So yeah, back to uh, Cyberpunk. Um, Night City Wire came out. I was watching all the way through. I was loving every single part of it. I was like keeping up with all the development, every single thing. Release date happens. PS4 obviously don't get the review uh, codes and stuff like that. They hide away the uh, the the sort of um, they don't give those those platforms the limelight in the review process. Um, and obviously, like then it releases and it's broken beyond seemingly repair, seemingly broken beyond repair. And I remember sitting there and just being like, damn. And I played it at launch, played it on the PS5 upscale version of the PS4 version. 
because um, obviously the PS5 next gen version wasn't out then. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I couldn't get past four hours, five hours of it. And I've never felt, alongside No Man's Sky, I've never felt more disappointed in a game's release because I wanted this game to be like the next Rockstar game for me. I wanted this game to be a top five, a top 10. And it was not even top 100 at that point because it couldn't be. Functionally, it was a very, very broken game. And I remember just thinking like, I've just, I felt like, not like to be that person that's like, oh yeah, well, I just feel like angry and hateful at the studio. I didn't feel like that way at all. I just felt like something has gone completely wrong here. And like, I felt like I just wasted my personal time watching, reading, learning about all this world and this universe. Um, And that's where I essentially was with the uh with the with the launch so yeah um what about you Brian? well yeah for me like i knew cyberpunk was first announced i think and i don't know if you said this I, it sounded like you said something different but i'm pretty sure cyberpunk was first officially announced years before the witcher 3 released i don't pretty sure i'm not 100 percent sure if it, it might have been spoken about by cd project red but it wasn't 100 yeah. percent announced until the Witcher 3 was, I think, fault, like, sorted out. Like, all the development was done. I thought, like I guess we're not really sure, but I thought 2013 was when Cyberpunk was announced. Witcher came out in 2015. Okay. I could uh, be wrong. So it was this It was this kind of ominous mm-hmm. thing. Either way, even if it did was announced after Witcher 3, it was kind of this ominous thing where, like, what is CD Projekt Red working on next? It's the Cyberpunk thing, which is way different from Witcher. Um, it feels like it's a long way out. When are we going to get to play this game? And then I remember the big moment for me where it was like, oh, shit, this is something special, is in 2018. Do you remember when they did? So they had that behind closed doors, that full gameplay kind of demo. Mm -hmm. And then after the E3, it's a couple months after E3, they released it to the public. Um, It was that full-on mission where you, like, interact with, like, I I don't even know what their names are in the game. I've, I've already done the mission again in my current replay, but it's the... The guys with their faces are pretty much completely cyberware, and you sit there with Jackie. Oh, Will, um, Maelstrom. Yeah, you you go. Yeah, to very the, early um, in the game. Yeah, you go to the meat place, right? Like the 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 frozen foods place yeah, or something, so. and yeah, and Brick comes in and puts his gun in your face and stuff. It's like whoa. Yeah, you know? and it was showing, yeah. like, and it was like all happening and dialogue and stuff, and you know, yeah. for me being the guy who said like not to bring up Starfield, I, I think I think when we saw that 2018 demo, the whole like him putting his gun in your face realistically while the dialogue mm. options were up. It kind of felt crazy new and next gen mm. because you'd mostly seen either like Bethesda or Bioware where it was a little bit more, you know, static. Yeah. You know? Lots so that was kind of like, whoa, mm. yeah. And it, it felt like you could make like whatever decision you wanted and like shit was going to be crazy. And I remember everyone watching that 2018 um, gameplay segment and being like, holy shit, like Cyberpunk mm. is the next big thing. It's next mm. gen. It's going to be, it's going to be that, uh, either a Witcher 3 moment all over again or a Breath of the Wild moment, Elden Ring, which obviously hadn't come out yet. But, you know, one of those two big tentpole game moments. But I think in 2018, at that point, we knew it was close to two years away. Maybe at that time, they they might have said it was coming 2019. I, I think it was always 2020. I, I, mm-hmm. I know they pushed the date back a lot, but I think they pushed all the dates back in 2020. I think it was like early 2020 and then like later 2020 and then later 2020 again. Um, but it was at least a year and a half, two years away at that point. Um, but for me, I was just like, okay, this is going to be a huge game and I'm obviously going to have to buy it day one because I love cyberpunk setting and Witcher was one of the best games ever. So it's going to be great. And then kind of fast forward to, you know, the next year I get married, 
me and Josh start Sacred Icon. Very early on in starting Sacred Icon, Josh is saying, my most hyped game since Halo 3 mm. is Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. He was saying that like... Respect. Either end of 2019 or early 2020. Like, we had yeah. only been podcasting for a couple months. Josh was saying, Cyberpunk's my big thing. Like, more than Halo Infinite, more than anything else. Mm. Cyberpunk's I'm excited for. Game was supposed to release early 2020. Got pushed all the way back to late 2020. And then once it got to late 2020, it got, it got like pushed back again. And then it went gold. And then they yeah. pushed it back again after it went gold. And it was like, what yes. the heck? Yep. And, you know, COVID had hit. And... um and then there was the new consoles coming out at that time, the PS5 and the Xbox. And like we knew it was going to play on the Xbox Series X and the PS5, but it wasn't going to be prepared for those systems proper. Mm. So it was going to be the Xbox One, PS4 version that took the benefits of the console, uh, which I think a lot of people forget that. I think a lot of people think like, oh, the PS5 and the PS4 versions were shit at launch too. And in the sense that you were playing it on those systems, yes, but there was no version in existence for PS5 mm-hmm. yeah. and no Xbox native series. version. Yeah. No yeah. native version. It was just backwards compatible with the the older systems. Yes. Um but so the game finally comes out and well, I mean it's clear right off the bat like the game is super bugged, super broken like we're talking at the time the worst we'd known about was like MCC, Master yep. Chief Collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like is it that bad though? And people are like, "Yeah, maybe worse." And we're like, "Holy shit, it can't be." Like that's bad bad if it's that bad and and uh, it was so broken and so screwed up. Like Josh is somebody who he quickly got discouraged and mm. upset by that because he's like, because it just kind of ruins the experience for him. Oh which yeah, be fair, which be fair. Yeah, it ruins the experience for pretty much everyone. Um, but for me, I was like, okay, well, because I wasn't as hyped as Josh, but I was like, it's a day one buy still. So I bought it day one. And then my thing was, and I know everyone who knows me will be like, well, that must have not have been really hard for you, Brian. But I was like, I'm just going to skip all the side <laughs> content. And just narrowly as possible, go straight from main quest to main quest to main mm. quest to try to get the game completed and get a full idea of a picture of the game without it breaking. Because people were saying they were losing their saves and they were getting trapped behind quests that they couldn't finish. And so, like, I'm just going to go beeline it straight through. And that's what I did. I got the game and I beelined it straight through the main missions with Arasaka and Takamura and, and, and Johnny Silverhand and... Um, I really enjoyed my time. Like, yeah, characters were walking through walls and cars. And I remember, like, I went, I drove, I drove off a bridge and went, like, out of bounds, but it didn't register. So I was just, like, nice. driving in, in the bottom of the world, and there was no way to recover. I had to just reload. Um, like, yeah, there was a bunch of bun- uh, glitches and bugs and stuff, but I was taking it in for what it was, the the world and the characters and and the, the gunplay and the, the decision-making and the choices. And I remember being kind of uh, in awe by some of the game. Like, I remember there's that one part where you go to that parade. Or yes, like, in Chinatown. Like yeah, it's like the big neon koi fish. Yeah, it's cool. like It's almost like a float, but mm. it's more like uh, a hologram in the sky. And I was like, oh, man, this is... This city is awe-inspiring. I'm like, and I also, of course, I was like, Johnny Silverhand's a badass. I love having this mm. dude follow me around. He's so cool. And he's like, you know, he's just, just he's just totally Keanuing it up where he's just like, yeah. you know, somebody's saying something real serious and then he just pops up out of nowhere and he's just like, fucking chooms. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's my boy Johnny. And uh, so when I finished the game, because I managed to have a better, I was playing it on a Series X, which come to find out the Series X and the PS5 did seem to handle the games better yes, they did. than the Xbox One and the PS4, even though it was the same edition of the game. It just mm-hmm. had better hardware to run on. Um, I managed to get through the game and complete it uh, without anything impeding me from from 
from finishing it getting stuck. Mm-hmm. And when I finished the game, I was a little underwhelmed by the ending, just a bit. And of course, I skipped all the side content. So I was like, I finished it, and I was like, that was a good time. You know, like mm-hmm. I thought, I, I thought the story was good, but nothing special. I thought the ending was a little lackluster, but I was like, that was a really good time. I liked it. Eight out of ten. I'm done. I'll maybe I'll check it out one day when it's fixed again. And then I kind of just put it back. And the thing is, by the time I was done, I mean, I think the game had not even been out two weeks mm. when I finished it. So, like, yeah, that's the news articles in the gaming industry at large was still talking about how broken it is and how mm. screwed up it is. CD Projekt Red was still putting out excuses and blaming the QA team and all this mm. stuff. Like, the saga went on for a long time. And basically, um, as time went on, they put out more patches and more patches and more patches and made it a little better here and a little better there. And I think there was a point, like, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half after it came out, they had a patch, finally got it to a point where it was like pretty, pretty good. And then edge mm. runners came out and that also like beefed up the IP and its popularity. Fire. Joe can speak on that. I can't cause I haven't watched it, but like a Netflix got one it, season, one season series. It's so good. Um, one of my so favorite shows. Carry on. Sorry. That's no, that's what, so that's what I've heard everybody say. So basically when you get to like, I'll just say for for ease of of number, like when you get to the end of 2022, it's pretty much, yeah, they screwed up and Mm. we're pissed at them, but the game's pretty good now Mm -hmm. and we got edge runners and like some real goodwill was being built back up for Cyberpunk again come end of 2022. And I still hadn't played at this point. I thought, no, I got other stuff to play and, you know, I'll just whatever. And then, then we get to, I don't know if it was, I think it was... I think it was this year they announced Phantom Liberty, wasn't it? Wasn't it 2023? Like, I feel like, yeah. With Idris yeah. Alba and everything. It could have been end of last year, but I don't know. Mm. But um, so they show off Phantom Liberty and it's, you know, Idris Alba's in it. And you're like, you know, it's like, oh, can't get, we already got Keanu. So who do we get mm-hmm. next? It's like a badass. Okay, we get Idris Alba. Mm. And Phantom Liberty is going to be this new expansion. And we're going to have this new giant 2.0 update that's going to come with the expansion. The update will be free. The expansion will be $30, but the launch on the same day. And I still didn't think too much about Cyberpunk all year. I was mostly excited for the new games this year. Zelda, Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4, um, Final Fantasy 16, Baldur, or not not for me, Baldur's Gate, but that was one of the big ones. Um, mm-hmm. And Starfield, of course. Um, so we get to, so we go through this year, and you know, there's a little bit of hype for Phantom Liberty, but I'm just like, for me, I'm just thinking like, oh, Cyberpunk is that 8 out of 10 game I had a good time with three years ago, and it was broken, and you know, maybe I'll revisit it. Maybe I won't. Um, and then basically what happened is, uh, we get to Starfield this year. Mm. Starfield comes out. I start playing it, having a great time. You know, I get 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours in. I'm wrapping up my time with, with, uh, with Starfield and we're getting closer to the release of Phantom Liberty. And I'm starting to see previews come out and I'm like, okay, well my next big game is Spider-Man two, but that's over a month away. Do I dip back into cyberpunk? And I just, I saw a lot of good, like a lot of good press about it, a lot of good reviews. And I was like, okay, maybe it's time to give this game another chance. So I went ahead and bought Phantom Liberty. Like I said, you don't even have to buy Phantom Liberty to get the 2.0 experience. Mm. And as far as any comments go or like kind of reviews or thoughts on this game go in this episode, neither of us are talking about Phantom Liberty because neither of us have beat it. I've started it. Mm. Joe hasn't even started it yet. But we're just talking about cyberpunk before and after the 2.0 update, Mm -hmm. leaving the expansion aside. Um, but basically when I finished Starfield, it was like all this good press was out for it. And then also Cyberpunk looked very much like the type. It looked like a Starfield type game. You know what I mean? Like they're very similar in a yeah. sense. Like obviously CD Projekt Red and Bethesda are very different, but they're both first person futuristic RPGs with, you know, multiple choices and, and 
it was just like, okay, this is like the natural progression of things. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and check this out. So before I go into my experience going back into Cyberpunk, Joe, mm. do you want to bring us up to speed up to October 2023 of like, did you, when did you go back and actually finish Cyberpunk and what was your takeaway from it? And then edge runners and all that stuff, like bring mm. us up to now. Yeah, well, before I do that, I just want to obviously add some clarification when it comes to, like, the dates we've set. So, like, we were talking about, obviously, the teaser trailer, and delays, and the Phantom Liberty announcement. So, um, just to, so we're consistent with uh, the listeners here, like, I did some okay. research. And Cyberpunk 2077's teaser trailer, you were right, it was uh, 10th of January 2013 when they announced that, which is why I probably just didn't even clock it, because, like, it's very rare that you get an announcement like that uh, prior to the release of... Um, uh, pr- prior to the end of development of like the previous game you know and seven years before um, the game releases yeah exactly it's a long time uh time in advance and regarding the uh the the cyberpunk 2077 delays like the first uh release date set for it was um april 16th 2020 um and then the first delay was obviously september 17th 2020 and then another delay happened in november 19th 2020 and then obviously cyberpunk goes gold uh, and then there was another delay um insane dude never to, seen that uh, december yeah, December tenth. So a very weird thing, and that was like the first red flag, wasn't it? Like the uh, go, you know, delaying uh, when it was by weeks. Going, yeah, by weeks after going gold, it was like what the hell. Um, so and then the Phantom Liberty actually was announced in uh, twenty twenty two. It was the uh, on the sixth of September twenty twenty two. So just okay. just just for some dates for the uh, listeners. Not that like obviously we're spitballing here. We're all doing it off the top of our head. There's no scripts here, but. Um, it's just yeah. nice to know, and I'm glad to know that it was 2013 because that seems like a weird statement to make. But yeah. I was like pretty sure that it did. It was 2013. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, yeah, Joe. So take us from so launch. You played it. It was super disappointing. Take us all the way from launch up till now with you and Cyberpunk. Yeah, well, I just didn't touch it with a. Uh, I didn't touch it with a 10 foot barge pole for. I don't know. Like it must have been. It must have been like two years, maybe maybe a year and a half. It was. At, I, I don't know exactly the day when I played it, but it was around the time of Edge Runners. And it was around the time of the 1.6 update, which was the Edge Runners update, which didn't add a lot, but it added like I think two, no one, one like kind of side quest um, where you get to- in touch with one of the uh, the Edge Runners crew. You never see them, but it's all on like a message and stuff, and you find like people's weapons from the show, people's clothing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's super neat. And yeah, it's really cool, and it adds a lot of life to the uh, to the game, and adds like a level of consistency that few games have um, with their sort of outside media. Um, but yeah, essentially, what happened is I watched Edge Runners. I was playing. Um, what was I playing at the time? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I wasn't playing Cyberpunk, um, and I watched Edge Runners because shout out to uh, Fabulous Five. One of my viewers and one of the people in the Sacred Icon Discord. Twelve years old, right? <clears throat> yeah, twelve years old. T- totally. Can't believe I fell for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and he uh, he was like, "I've been watching Edge Runners. It's fucking dope." And he, I basically just like was like, oh, "Okay, cool." Like I watched the trailer and I watched the trailer and I was like, "This looks actually really, really cool." Like artistically, it's fast. It's from Studio Trigger, who's known for very uh, upbeat, very fast, very colorful animation. Um, and I loved it, dude. Like from the first, the first episode, like someone dies in it, which like kind of like got me a little bit like, you know, like when you get it in your throat, like you start to like, you know, get that ball in your throat. And I'm like, ah, damn, like, that's already got me. Like I, I've only been with this character like, like for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something. Like, Damn. 
and then you go through and it's a very fast show like there's only like i think eight episodes or something like that i might be wrong on that um but they're very short they're very quick like i said and time moves very quickly in the show it's like oh dude like we're moving like gigs are happening people are dying people are getting lost left right and center you know there's loads of characters coming in but it all feels so natural and the reason why it feels so natural the show not to go on too much of a tangent for edge runners but i feel like you can't talk about 2077 without talking about edge runners impact i think this is a perfect time to talk about edge runners go ahead man yeah honestly. and like the the reason why it f- feels so good to be so fast because a lot of shows deal with pacing in so many different ways and a lot of shows are slower like things of things like walking dead which go on for 10 seasons or something where this is just one season one and done it just feels good and feels natural because it's this setting night city is this amazingly beautiful high-tech seemingly city of dreams and uh, an opportunity but in reality chews you up and spits you out as fast as you get there and it's this very very or, or live there you know as you grow up and it's just it's it's a very beautiful it's a very beautiful show that i would literally recommend for people that aren't even interested in the game because it's so emotional and i i went through it and there's like so many character deaths and so many emotional moments and and, and very well choreographed um and drawn uh, uh scenes and stuff like that and the end i'm not kidding in edge runners it's just like dude i've never been i don't think i cry I've, bro grown man tears like i was i was fucked up like at the end i was like why are they gonna do it like that man <laughs> god damn man you know like i was done like i literally was sitting here like in this very chair like on my own like binge, binging this show just broken and i i'll be 100 percent honest like afterwards i had like post series depression like i was just sitting there like listening to this soundtrack over and over again you know i really want to stay at your house which is like the most emotional song from the show just done like every time that came on in the in the show and like chaos again chaos matic um from the um sacred icon discord can attest to this god damn it got me and it got him and like it it just destroys you and it's Um, one season and it's done that's one season you you probably get maybe i don't even know i can't remember how long the episodes are like i said but you maybe get four to eight hours roughly with these characters um and it it does more for characters than most series with 10 seasons Uh, so what's what's the big if you had to narrow it down to just one thing i know it's several things but mm. what's the biggest thing about the show that enhances the game is it the world building is it the characters I think, is it a narrative tie tie in? Is there any kind of narrative tie in, like with Johnny or anything? Or honestly, no? I think that again, like to narrow it down to one thing, is a disservice to the show. Can't do it. Okay, I think Fair it's really. I think, and I think that's like that. That is the one thing: the fact that it's this culmination, and it's mm-hmm. it's a very much a sum of its parts in all the best ways. Like you have actual like when you play when you watch the show or you play the game you can go to the places that are there you can find david's apartment you can find um makes it feel real you can yeah you can see certain streets like i've been to those places i've been to um rebecca's apartment like wow you can see all these different places you know you can stand on the rooftop where lucy and david shared a moment you know like and it just makes it so impactful when you go and play. Not only that, I think, and this is a, this is a very strong point of view that I think many people share that I've watched the show. The Edge Runners show, in its short span, has a much more impactful narrative than the entirety of Cyberpunk's 2077s. And on top of that, the reason I think why it does it is because it doubles down on that pacing. And that is really impactful. Um 
I think the way the show utilizes its pacing is something that is incredibly uh, proficient. It do, it's not a weakness, in my opinion. Mm. Some people wanted more time with the characters, but that's the point. It wants yeah. to be quick. Yeah, it, it wants you to feel like you don't have enough time. It Which wants I feel like feel... that plays into the like the tone of Night City too. It's yes. all quick. You're all you know? every single person who is an edge runner who is doing gigs who is a you know like V from Cyberpunk is on borrowed time. That is the point. You might think you're not. You might think you can dominate the world that you're special, but you're not because. The, the city always wins in the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a very incredible, incredible show that just, if you watch it before Cyberpunk, it just elevates what is in Cyberpunk massively. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Edgerons. I don't know if you have any more questions for me regarding the show or you want me to get into Well, the I mean, so well, well, with the, sh- I mean, the show is something I still need to watch for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I'm definitely stoked to check it out. But this is kind of that point for you where it all kind of culminates in a very special game because you watch yes. Ed Runners and you said you couldn't remember the game you were playing at the time. But whatever game you were playing at the time, mm-hmm. you were basically like, screw it. I got to go play yep. Cyberpunk mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So you jump into Cyberpunk. And to my understanding, this is the first time you play it all the way through. Yes. Um, I started it and I've... I've taken issues with certain things in the game, like um, I think the narrative's too short and stuff like that to fully encapsulate, which is interesting because Edge Runners is, is short, but it does it better. Yeah. So it, this is what I mean. It's all about how you use that narrative and how you deal with those tones. I remember people but, being upset, including Josh. They announced not too long before the game came out that the main narrative is like 20 hours long, which yes. some people, I think everyone expected 50 plus after Witcher. Mm. Um, yeah. So 20 is, 20 is kind of short, but... Mm-hmm. And this is something I'll come back to when I get to my talking about me replaying it, but like playing the side quests and, 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 and being in the world and taking it all in as one piece alongside that narrative mm. really is what builds it up. It's mm. it's not necessarily like as somebody who beelines a lot of things, I don't know if cyberpunk really benefits much from you beelining. Like if you beeline a Spider-Man no. Insomniac game, you're going to be just fine. You're getting yes. all the narrative you need. Yeah. But if you beeline cyberpunk, I mean... You're getting the main narrative, but there's so much that like goes into that narrative with like how the world is and how characters mm-hmm. interact and how the city and the the how it just all plays in together. I feel like it's a it'd be a big negative to, to yeah. just do the main story. But anyways, back over to you, Joe. Yeah, and I think that is like kind of in some way CD Projekt Red's like sort of trait. You know, like if you were to give like development studios traits, like you've got like Bethesda, which obviously you can rely a little bit more on like those like sort of main focal like quest lines a little bit. Um, obviously depending on the game um but like if you look at things like the witcher 3 and you look at cd project red entire compared to like bethesda those side quests are so fucking important especially in the witcher 3 like yeah. people that didn't do the bloody baron quest line in the witcher 3 like i'm sorry to say this but you missed out like um, you can skip that you can skip the majority of it yeah like i've never skipped any so, of it so you can do it you can do up to the Lubber King or the um, uh, Botchling, which is yeah. which is the un- unborn child, yeah, daughter. Yeah. Um, oh, daughter. Okay. Yeah, daughter. Okay. Um, uh, I think it's Daya. I think that's the name. Anyway, um, but yeah, you can do all the way up to that, and then I think you can piss off basically and not help him like re- like sort of rebuild his family and repent for his you know go through his redemption art with his wife and kid. But anyway, yeah, you would be you would be massively uh, uh, remiss to to miss those quests but uh in terms of cyberpunk yeah i agree like if you were to if you were to mainline the story 
you miss out on a lot because the way like i think the way cyberpunk works cyberpunk 2077 works with its pacing of its stories it's really quick in the start and then it slows down after like jackie and stuff like that and yep. then you get to kind of being with johnny for a long period of time and you start to go to the voodoo boys and that is over like that um very quickly um and then the ending doesn't mess around either it's like right yeah we're going straight to go Arizona, go go you know and it's like it's very quick it's very fast and you just don't have enough time and like all of those choices that you've missed out on with like romantic like romantic partners pan am judy etc etc uh, misty etc etc they all uh, vic they all falter because you've missed out on that and then the ending doesn't feel as impactful um but yeah like in terms of the the game itself like i just I, I dropped everything, basically. I jumped onto Cyberpunk 2077 after the Edge Runners uh, uh, update and the uh, show. And I loved it. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, I started out um, as a street kid. Not, not obviously, a nomad or a corpo, which is probably the most common uh, starting. I did nomad post. the first time. This time yeah. I'm doing street kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll do something different for my second playthrough. I might do a, a nomad. Um and I just loved every minute of it. Like, just not to get into two specifics, because we'll literally be here for four hours, because it is a very long game, and it probably took me around, like, 50 hours, 60 hours to complete, maybe. Um, uh, I straight up, like, loved the the vision of the world, of course. I loved the fact that I could go and see all these, like, cyberpunk edge runners, like, areas. I enjoyed the skill system, even though it was convoluted and stuff, like you said um, to me, behind the scenes and stuff, and in the Discord. Um, I thought the characters were absolutely incredible. The way, like you you mentioned, the dynamic nature of the of the the acting and the in the cutscenes is, in my opinion, one of the most under praised part of Cyberpunk. Hundred percent. Everyone talks about like the world and the narrative and Johnny and all these characters and the writing. Let's talk about how every single character in these main dialogue scenes is dynamic, is mo-capped, is in-your-face, is not barred, again, not to bag on Starfield, but isn't barred to a five-meter personal distance ruling, you know, where they yeah. can't move towards you, you know, unless something bugs out. Um, it, they act like they're living good. their life. They're, 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 exactly. They're pouring a glass to drink from. They're yes. taking something off the shelf. They're taking a seat, typing on their computer. And it's not even like... Where some games, like somebody might say, oh, I've seen that before. But in most games, it would be like, oh, this NPC is at their computer. This NPC is pouring a drink. No, no, no. Yeah. In Cyberpunk, the same NPC may pour a drink, use their keyboard, mm. get down on their hands and knees and pick up something off the floor. Like, yeah. they're just going about their life. Or they'll itch their arm in the middle of conversation and then... And with most games, you think, oh, if they itch your arm in a conversation, well, if I just leave the conversation up long enough, they'll just keep itching the arm. Mm. No, they don't. They yeah. they will do something different. They will yeah, yeah. put their hands through their hair. They'll they'll grab something. You know. Mm. So yeah, it's it's very well done. And the only downside to something like that, in all honesty, is that the framework in the SDK for modders, they can't um, they can't mod characters in and create quest lines like obviously with things like starfield and the creation engine because one of the best things about the creation engine um again we're comparing it to starfield but it's really hard not to um is that uh obviously people can make whole ass quest lines from nothing um whereas with cyberpunk you can't do that because it's obviously all built within the studio and everything is mocaps and stuff like that so it, it's just it's a very beautiful game for me that when i was playing it i never wanted it to end 
Um, and that's one of the biggest like highlights, uh, probably the, the biggest testimony I can give it um, because it's got this incredible nature to be a, when I played it, like I gave it the strongest A out of 10 I could give it. But it's a very interesting game for me, Cyberpunk, where I can't, <sighs> my words and my, my score doesn't justify what I feel about it, but I can't give it any higher because mm-hmm. as a game, how, how I played it at 1.6, not 2.0, it might've gone up by now because I haven't played 2.0 or Phantom Liberty, of course. When I played it at 1.6, as a game, it is an 8 out of 10. Like, everything about it, like, like I said, the narrative is too short. It doesn't give me long enough with these characters in this world. The uh, the quest lines are not as good as, like, as, as Witcher 3. Um, the, que- the the skill points are not as good. The AI um, is not as good um, as, as even, like, The Witcher 3 slash just other games in general. Um it can get a little repetitive with the with the sort of checkbox open world, you know, the outposts and stuff like that and the gigs. Um, and obviously there were some bugs I experienced. But in my mind, I adore what that game did on the level of a 10 out of 10 game. Mm-hmm. Like the way it speaks on the fragility of human life and um, capitalism and, uh, you know, corpo uh, sort of underhanded nature and... When I played it and I watched Edge Runners before that, after I finished Cyberpunk 2077, it made me kind of reappropriate like kind of how I see life and like what I value and and what I want to do and how life is precious and stuff. Because I think as a game, thematically speaking, it's a game that even though it's so far out of what we look at, uh, so far out of like what society is today, it's a game that... It's, it's a game that, in my opinion, like Mike Pondsmith, the original creator of what the game is based on, the tabletop uh, cyberpunk, um, it's a warning, not an aspiration. And it's the best way to, yeah. to, to describe that. This is that. what it could be like. This is what it could be like. And it's important to take that as, obviously, as a social level on a massive scale thematically. It's a warning to society in general and capitalism and the damaging nature that 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 ideology and that philosophy can can bring but at the same time i think it's also a warning individually um what do we want our life we can get so torn up in the materialism of everything like what we wear what we what we uh indulge upon how much time we put into you know the unnatural things in our lives you know movies television pop culture even you know even games and stuff and i think it there's obviously many endings to that game, but I had one particular ending with the nomads that kind of reappropriated that and made me think like, like my my uh, my V is getting away from all that. Not to spoil it, um, mm-hmm. and he's and he's kind of living for himself for the first time in not a material way, like I said, but a um, a way of like living for the moment and living for the people around him and stuff. And I, I just thought by the end of it, it was a very beautiful beautiful story. That while yeah. wasn't perfect with the length, like I said, with the narrative, couple that with Edge Runners was just a very beautiful game. Yeah, well, I think even if the the narrative itself doesn't sell you in a way that's like a super strong, resonant feeling just on the narrative you felt, I think there's another good way to walk away from a game is to be left thinking a lot mm. about questions and ideals, and mm. and and I think that's what the game does. I think what what it does better than even its main narrative just being good is it <clears throat> it asks all these questions and it it places all these ideas out there and it it leaves you thinking about it when you leave the game you know and i, I think that um that's something i'm going to come back to in a minute cuz i'll, I'll kind of go into how i have go- i've come around to liking this game even way more mm. um 
playing it right after. So I got I got the Phantom Liberty uh, expansion, which that once you buy the Phantom Liberty expansion, that's something that you you can start separately or you can start at a certain point in a new playthrough. I decided to do a new playthrough, and when I started Cyberpunk back up, it was interesting because. When Cyberpunk came out in 2020, that was the same. It came out right when the new systems were coming out, the next mm. gen. And COVID had been the main thing all year that year that everyone was talking about. And um, like I said, I tried to rush through the game because of how broken it was. And, you know, while while I didn't have any bugs that ruined the game for me, the fact that I always felt pressure to rush and get it over with mm. because everyone saying the game is broken and not done properly. Like it, yeah. it, it, it impeded my enjoyment of the game. Cause for me, it was like, let's get this over with, let's get this broken product over with. So I can go on to the next game. So coming back around this time, knowing that with the 2.0 update and just, just to, there's so much that I'd ha- you'd have to pull up a list of all the updates, but mm. the 2.0 update, some major things um, they've revamped the talent tree. So it's much more easier to use and understand They've revamped um, how armor works. So instead of you picking up like clothes that give you certain armor, you just wear whatever clothes you want for look's sake. And the cyberware you use to uh, to update your body, to attach to your body, that is where the armor comes from. Then they pretty much revamped the whole police system thing where police will actually catch you doing crimes and chase you down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's weapons on your cars now so you can have vehicle combat. A lot of things have changed to make the game better now. It's still at its core the same game that came out in 2020. It's the same story, yes. quests, characters, um, and it's the same world. But they have updated these systems in major ways. More than just like a normal patch. It's like, yeah, normal patches might change like how much weapon damage something does or how effective this skill is. But what they've essentially done is updated the systems majorly in a way where the game is noticeably different than it was at launch but anyways i start playing again and to preface you know once again i know a lot of our people that listen to all the things that we put out in the discord it'll sound like we've just gone over this a million times but like let me preface by saying i still like starfield more than cyberpunk just because it Mm -hmm. just the bethesda games just the way they're gamey and and fun for me they just kind of they hit me in a way that's um, not, they don't hit me in like an emotional narrative way. They hit me in like a, this is a fun ass game type way. Um, so I'm prefacing by saying, yeah, I'm still, a, still a Starfield fan. Uh, as far as I know for now, more than cyberpunk, but I start cyberpunk up and immediately, immediately. And the funny thing is I had criticized Starfield for feeling old and archaic and like it was a game design from last gen. Mm-hmm. And I start cyberpunk up, not knowing that it's going to reaffirm my point at all. But that's exactly what it does. Immediately when I start the game up, and of course now it's the next gen versions of the game, with you know ray tracing and sixty frames, whatever. And I'm playing it, and immediately the presentation value is better, is like is more pronounced than Starfield. Mm. The the character animations, the the city and how immersive it is, the seamlessness of the mm. city after coming off of Starfield, which felt like very broken up with all the loading screens and planets and menus. And just like interacting with NPCs and seeing how they move around, interact in the scenes, and they're not just stilted, and mm. they're they're they feel like they have like real personalities, and their face has so much mocap and emotion that yeah. you feel like you're talking to a real person, and all of the like lingo that's like specific to that world, like choom and gonk, and mm. and just the the way people live in the city and act 
it's like they are from this different place. It's not so much like we placed a NPC here. It's these characters feel like they live in this specific world with this specific set of rules. And immediately I'm just drawn into the game. It feels next gen. It feels it completely like it's it's vibe, it's mood. It, it captures me and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'm more ready to play this than I thought I was and mm. and uh I get playing and you know, the combat, the the first person combat's good it's it's like you'd expect from an rpg first person shooter where mm. it doesn't feel as good as halo to control or no. call of duty but it felt like i'd say it feels just a tad under starfield for me mm. now starfield obviously has an extra three years of development on cyberpunk but i feel like they're, they're pretty similar in their game their gunplay but i feel like the starfields maybe felt a little tighter um but going through the world and experiencing night city um, getting to like the game starts up with you know with your buddy Jackie Wells and you're you're going on these missions and you're encountering this effed up stuff and and you're partying with him and going to clubs mm. and like it just did such a good job of like making me feel like I'm part of this world yes um and it, and so I'm, I was really getting pulled in and of course I go through the narrative further I get to meet Johnny Silverhand again which as you know is played by Keanu Reeves and Keanu is just like I know he gets he gets you know, crap for like mm. not having a personality because he's kind of like very straight in his delivery, which is true, mm-hmm. but there's still such a personality to Keanu mm. himself. Like Keanu is a personality. Maybe all of his characters are just versions of Keanu, but like Keanu himself is different. Like I don't, I can't name another actor that just reminds me of Keanu. Yes. It's just, he's the only one. Mm. Um, so he starts, like, starts grabbing me and then I'm doing side quests mm. where like I did this side quest that I described in the discord the other day. It was, um, I had to go like save these two dirty police officers mm. and I go to save them and I find out they've locked themselves in a room because they don't know what to do <laughs> and it turns out they had a bag of dope they were trying to deal and the guy they were trying to deal it to swallowed the whole bag of dope down his throat mm. and didn't pay them for it and they were worried that their drug dealer wasn't going to get the money and then the, the dr- their drug dealer was going to kill them so mm. they cut the dude open and try to retrieve the sack of dope out of his <laughs> mouth and then they end up killing the dude, and then the dope dissolves inside of him, so he doesn't have it. The two cops are complete idiots. You got to try to get them out of there, and the whole time you're trying to get them out of there, they're like shit talking each other, like "This is your idea." You're like cut his mouth open, like that's a good idea. <laughs> like you didn't think it was going to dissolve, and it's like it's funny, and you're like, man, these are dumbasses. And then you get to the end of the quest, and their drug lord shows up, and you know they're wanting you to bail them out, and basically. You tell them to tell the truth. They tell them the story about the dude swallowing mm. the bag of dope mm. and it dissolving. And then the drug lord just like laughs his ass off. He's like, you really think I'm going to kill you after a story that hilarious? We can call it good. And mm. then at the last minute he goes, unless of course, unless of course you got your boy here to like take out all my men. Uh, so he goes and checks like the, he has like a, a scanner, like see if they're, if they're still breathing all the, so, and what had happened was I had killed all of this drug lord's men on the way down to this parking garage where we're having this conversation. So the second he sees that I killed all of his men, he's like, well, I'm sorry, I can't let you go. And then there's a, there's a fight, you know? And then mm. of course I take him out and then the two cops are like, thanks man. Thank you so much. And then they take off and it's like, that was a side quest, you know? And it just builds up that world of, of what night city's like. And, and there's just so many things in the game, but from the language to the way characters act to the things that are acceptable, yeah. like people just shooting each other in the street, uh, it being so over sexualized, um, CD Projekt Red did a really good job of just making this world feel alive. And 
coming off of Starfield, I don't know. I don't know how much of the game is me enjoying it because it works better now and it's been patched and updated, mm-hmm. and how much of it is seeing how much further an RPG, like a game, can be taken mm-hmm. than what I've seen from standard Bethesda fare. I think it's mm-hmm. like fifty fifty. Because I really think Cyberpunk was always a really good game that was just held back by its problems. So I think I'm seeing it without its problems and with better updates. And then I'm also juxtaposing that against Starfield, which felt like... And and to Starfield's credit, like to me, Starfield's like... It's more of that Bethesda goodness. And to me, an upgrade from Fallout 4, which was their last game. Um, So still a great game. It's just that Cyberpunk clearly felt like a, a step... In a, in a direction forward mm. um and then going through like the main story again and stuff like i like joe said it's shorter and i don't think the main narrative is like you know maze balls yeah. but it's good it is a good main narrative and when you take into account what happens in the main narrative what johnny silverhand's about what neon cities about what kind of decisions you're making what you can get one of with phantom liberty you can get up to four endings i think now mm. one of four different endings and, and where your character ends up and the questions that the world asks it, it ends up being an experience that you take away with you um more so than something like a starfield or mm. and it's not even just starfield there's other games out there but i'm just i'm coming yeah. off of Starfield because starfield for me is like does such a good job of immersing me in this space world where I can be the center of attention and do everything. But at the end of the day, when I got done with Starfield, it was like, well, there was that one quest where I helped with an alien, bad, like a bad alien and, and trying to regulate the alien. There's that one quest where I try to help these drug corporations. There's that one quest where I, um, the main quest, which is really good and are the best quest for me of Starfield, which was, dealing with like these special artifacts and parallel universes and mm. so there was memorable stuff in Starfield but it was very like gamey like i remember these fun game quests when i left cyberpunk and i'm still working on phantom liberty specifically but i've beat cyberpunk yeah yeah normal when i left cyberpunk i just i think about it every day i think mm. about the things that go on there the characters i think about mm-hmm. like for instance one big one i mean honestly it's one of if not the biggest kind of main things of the story of cyberpunk is like immortality through ai like mm. because the there's this device in cyberpunk called the soul killer mm. which is aptly named because basically what it does is it it takes your 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 mind your sentience exactly as it is your personality everything and it saves it with an ai so that you can live immortally but it kills your body, therefore mm-hmm. killing your soul. It's very, it's very um, pertinent to current day kind of questions where they are. You know, it is kind of in its incubation in the twenty first century right now. Yeah, so it, it kills your soul, but then it's like, well, if like all these people in Night City might strive to live forever and have immortality, but like, what is immortality really worth if your soul dies? Because, mm. and it, it is, it's, it's actually as simple as it sounds, right? Like if I am able to save my memory to an AI and and my AI is able to go on and live and make decisions. And like, let's say I was the, I ran a major company. I could still run the company for the next thousand years after I've died. But the thing is this Brian you're talking to, I'm still dead. 
yeah i still actually that's the thing like again it's kind of touching on what i said earlier with the whole materialism and kind of like what it means to be human in in many ways it's like are you still you if you are not a human and the thing is is one of the characters obviously went through soul killer not to spoil anything yeah but they are drastically a different entity not even a person but an entity once they are uploaded to soul killer you know and it's like it really does touch upon those uh the, those kind of, like i said those material questions of what it means to be human what it means to have a soul and stuff yeah dude the the game just left me thinking with a lot of things and and you know coming off of this replay of the game now that it's all fixed up and i've had time to let it sit and i'm not worried about rushing through it because it's going to break and the 2.0 update, I honestly walk away from this at a 9 out of 10. Like, I, I think mm. I told people in the Discord that a, a while ago. And nice. maybe maybe once you play it with the 2.0 update, you'll feel more confident about bringing it up to that 9. Mm. Maybe you'll still be at an 8. And, of course, you said, like, at a very personal level, it's like a 10 game for you. Mm. You just mm. read, if you're being honest, you read the game as, like, an 8 out of 10. And hopefully after those improvements, you kind of feel that way. And then, of course, once you incorporate Phantom Liberty, that could also, like, up it. But that gets into a, a, a weird territory where it's mm. like, I, I don't want to count Phantom Liberty towards it's the base the, game. The yeah. base game. And then, but then that brings me to my, the kind of the final thing I wanted to say before we get out of here, the final discussion on Cyberpunk is, you know, we both love it. Eight, nine out of ten. You for, for you, it feels like a ten at times. You loved Edge Runners. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. Um, I, I, I would I would recommend it to anybody who's not concerned with the grossness of the game. Um, and even yeah. I am somebody who is concerned with those things because I try to limit um, mm-hmm. personally. I try to limit really, really gr- like gross things. When I say gross, I mean stuff that's either super pornographic or super filthy. I try to limit, um, of course. In this instance, you know, I, I wanted to play the game and I just choose to avoid what I can. Um, but it's, you know, it's very full of of anything from violence to mm. nudity, uh, nudity yeah. por- you know, borderline. Yeah. It's definitely not a uh, Christian game, let me just say that. And and it's, um, I think... Honestly, I think, I think I there's I... probably plenty of non-religious people who it might just be too much for them. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm, by what I say, like, Christian game, I, I don't mean it like, like... Obviously, I know you don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean it in a bad way, and I, I just mean it as in, like, um, it's, it, it definitely doesn't err on the side of caution. It, it gives it to you. I mean, obviously, you can have, like, the nudity filter and stuff, um, but I, like, as someone who, um, basically, I'm, I'm one of those, like, kind of, I, I don't know if I'd say edgy people, but, like, I love it when a game doesn't pull its It's punch. raw. Yeah, like I've always loved that. Like I'm not like that person that's like, oh, I can't watch cartoons or anything because um, I'm I'm an adult. But at the same time, it's like when a game like instantly just kind of gives it to you straight. I think of games like The Last of Us and stuff like that with the way that game started and stuff destroyed yeah. me. Like it, it, that that game was one of the like not again not to tangent, but like that's an example of a game that like literally brought me to tears as soon as i played that start Mm -hmm. and how it deals with death and all that stuff going through the game is is absolutely like perfect tonally about like tone tone balancing um and but the way cyberpunk does it is it doesn't feel it doesn't like shy away from things like organ stealing and 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 death and exploitation and corporate uh you know exploitation and stuff this like that. game would have i obviously this game would not be as good if they held back in any no way, but because so i'm not yeah. asking for that i i just think that there's probably a few moments that could have not been included that mm. i don't think um anyone would have really missed one good example is that 
I mean, when I got the game at launch, there was freaking dildos everywhere in the game. Yeah. Um, which they've mostly, I have only ran into that like once. So I, yes. definitely different. Yeah. Um, and then, and then like there's a, there's a scene in the main narrative where you're, you're playing as Johnny Silverhand in first person and you mm. have, he yeah. has, he has sex with his girlfriend. And, yeah. um, you know, if they just had a, put the camera a bit higher in a couple spots, I would have seen less. And, yes. and uh, it could have still been very mature and out there without, but I know I'm sounding like a grandma right now. I understand <laughs> like, but I'm just, I'm somebody who tries to limit my intake of that stuff. So I could have appreciated it, you know, not being as blunt in a few areas. Yes. Um, but, but no, I agree. Like don't, don't mistake me for somebody, for some goody two shoes who says, you know, this game should have pulled punches or held back because it wouldn't have been Cyberpunk then. This yeah. game is a no-holds-bar yeah. game. Yeah, Cyberpunk is uh, M-rated. Everything about it, the tabletop, everything. Yeah. And the That's world, the game. Yeah. It, it is the game. It's part of its character. And I think that, you know, even more so than its te- contemporaries like Blade Runner and stuff like that, in my opinion. Um, the, the, thing, the thing with it is, like, it's an interesting point of topic, like when is mature too much? When is mature too mature? Um, and is it tasteful? Because you can have mature, but you can go too far with it. Uh, a prime example I can give you is that if anyone doesn't know what this game is, a, pro- a lot of people won't, but it's one of the worst games on the seventh generation. It's called Ride to Hell Retribution. Um, and it's one of probably the, the most tasteless uh, video games when it comes to maturity. Like, there are side quests in the game, or side quests, like, kind of just collectible, it seems, um, like, on the map around areas. You save a woman from potentially being raped or at least attacked, and then it instantly goes into a cutscene of, like, um, you know, sex. And and with her, and it's like, what? You like, save her, and then you have sex with her? Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. so strange. Yeah. yeah, it's really tasteless and just, like, really, like, in a lot of ways, like, miso- like misogynistic. <laughs> like, um, and it... But with Cyberpunk, it's like, and I'm always, like, the thing is with games, I'm always an advocate for taking your time with relationships and stuff like that, building that out, you know, and it's the same thing with The Witcher. It's like, the reason why The Witcher 3 works so well is because everything is done tastefully. You know, the, the relationships are built, Triss is built up, if you if you want to romance Triss, uh, Yen is built up, etc, etc. They're all, all of them are built up, you know, and when it finally gets to that point of uh, sexy time, it's like, this is earned, you know, and it feels right. Whereas, like, in cyberpunk it's interesting it's an interesting dynamic because it's not necessarily like earned but the thing with cyberpunk is that's the intention you know it's it, yeah it's, the game is not mm. the world's not there's nothing about the world of cyberpunk that's tasteful so no you can't it's meant to be a tasteless place yeah i mean that's the whole that is the point i mean that you can't labor that point home any any further yeah um it's it's a tasteless place and and taste is not <laughs> no you just can't have it so like i said i wouldn't really you know, I think you're meant to feel gross. In some ways, you're yeah. meant to feel uncomfortable. You know, when like when like Johnny's like having sex, having sex with um his girlfriend. Old, I can't remember. Oh, that's old Cunningham. Old Cunningham. Yeah, that's it. Um, you're 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 kind of meant to be like kind of like, ooh, okay, you know, like you you just kind of you're meant to be like yeah. Some people are like oh yeah, get it. But then other people are gonna be like uh no, like this is a bit sh- like strange that I'm watching this. And it's the same with um there's a sex scene early on actually where you text this like corpo chick and she texts you to meet her at a hotel and it just gets straight into into sexy time. And it's like really, really graphic yeah. as well. Like yeah. so um but yeah I mean like one thing I do want to touch on before we get out of here um is we've constantly talked about Starfield like go you know going going on uh 
as a comparative to, to to cyberpunk and stuff and the only i think the only reason for it is really like one obviously it's a western rpg and two it's because like obviously the 2.0 update and i feel in some ways like i feel sorry for starfield you know like it's it's been sandwiched between two very very uh incredibly in-depth rpgs from a narrative sense and a, a player choice sense and and like as i've been playing through starfield one of the biggest things i've found is that illusion of choice is really really rampant in starfield as opposed to cyberpunk and stuff and 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 obviously of course Baldur's gate 3 um which in my opinion is one of the best rpgs to do choice ever um from what i've seen i've not played it anyway um but in all honesty like i think it's it's one of those weird weird things where like cyberpunk came out in 2020 and starfield came out in 2023 and to not bag on starfield too much but it always like i was speaking to you about this brian the other day about release dates and like when games started up development and stuff like that like cyberpunk was like actually in active development after the witcher 3 blood and wine which is 2016 so it was only in development for active development not pre-production for four years obviously they had the concept trailers and everything and pre-production going on like three years before that or whatever which is fine um whereas starfield's technically been in development for eight years since fallout 4 like obviously they had to die yeah, i think the only caveat this. there is mm. i'm pretty sure i did hear they had to stop to help with fallout 4 uh 76 uh, yes that, that's what i was about to say obviously resources and time was obviously diverted to, to fallout 76 and stuff like that which i 100 percent understand and that was a collective effort for from all their bethesda teams but it makes me wonder you know like cyberpunk 2077 has came out in 2020 three years prior to starfield and it really does make me just sit here and think like how in in many ways you see the starfield is really far behind in terms of like how rpgs are designed <clears throat> excuse me designed or or cyberpunk is massively ahead in terms of like all the seamless loading the way the world works obviously i'm not saying like cyberpunk is a perfect rpg nor is it a perfect game because it's not but that you can see like you said with all the seamless loading and the way the combat works and all the mocap and everything and the dialogue scenes and the tech in there and the graphics i mean the way like the ray tracing works at the moment and stuff like that with the overdrive mode on pc it's mind-blowing it really is and it makes you sit back like genuinely when you're playing it when you're driving around the wet streets of night city and stuff and it's like wow you know well it's i really, think you know yeah, I, did I interrupt you, Joe? I want to make sure you... No, 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 no. Carry on anyway, because I'm losing my voice slowly here. Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, I think I think it's really pretty simple. I, I'm sure plenty out there people would want to argue with me, but like Bethesda, because of the creation engine, they were kind of way ahead of their competition mm. all the way up to Skyrim. And Skyrim was kind of the peak moment of technology and innovation at Bethesda. Well, innovation at Bethesda and technology currently, they came to it. Yeah, they came together. They also had the perfect type of um, setting and style. It was also right when like Game of Thrones had just taken off and it all Mm. culminated in like, you know, no one had ever, I I was going to say no one ever played an RPG like that unless you played Oblivion or Fallout 3 or Morrowind. Mm. But like, if that was your first Bethesda experience, which it for a lot of people it was because like I said, it, the technology and innovation met at that perfect moment where it was like graphically, it looked cool enough to play uh, mechanically. It worked well enough to play. Mm. Um, it was just, it was a phenomenon. It was something everyone played. And, and at that moment, Bethesda, in my opinion, Bethesda was ahead of everyone pretty much. Now something like mass effect had already come out and mass effect has a better narrative, has better mm. characters, but with a giant open, do whatever you want, go anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't do the sandbox. 
Yeah, like Skyrim was just ahead of the game. And then we've heard from like CD Projekt Red, they said before when they got when they were working on Witcher 3, which Witcher 3 came out 4 years after Skyrim, they were looking at Skyrim and saying, oh, yeah. "How can we how can we do a game like Skyrim? We don't want to do the same thing, but we want to do something awesome like Skyrim." And what I think's happened here cuz I don't want to put this I think Bethesda got comfortable in the kind of game they make. And the thing is, no one makes games like Bethesda. Even now, even 2023, even we talk about Cyberpunk, we talk about Baldur's Gate 3, nobody makes games that feel like Bethesda. I agree. The way that they're designed with their charm and their 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 openness and their immersiveness and their specific style of way. But we're way past the point where, where Bethesda games feel ahead of the competition. Mm-hmm. Because... Just the year that Witcher 3 came out, they released Fallout 4 the same year, and, and Witcher 3 clearly blew that game out of the water Yeah, in the same year, only four years later. And then, you know, you get 76, which is like, oh, is that really them? Is it not? I don't know. Whatever. It's a half project. It's online. We'll yeah. skip over that. But then we're waiting eight years. Big release. Starfield takes place in space. And it's still, at the end of the day, pretty much a Bethesda game. With a lot of limitations that I have to imagine exist because of the creation engine is still what's being used to try to populate a thousand planets and all this and just the procedural generation. And I think we've seen Elden Ring do things. We've seen Breath of the Wild do things, Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk. And it's just gotten to a point where we don't have to sit here and say Starfield's objectively not as good as those games. We don't have to say that at all. We don't have to make no. that point. But we have to. I think we can objectively say Starfield slash Bethesda in general, is not doing enough impressive anymore to stand out from their peers. Mm. Their peers are doing just as impressive of things, either in similar ways or different ways, Mm. left, right, and center. So it it just becomes, Starfield becomes another good game, um, less less of than like an all-timer, right? Because like for me, Mm. for me, like, you know, Skyrim, it's going to sit on that same shelf as like Doom and Minecraft is like, these are forever games. Skyrim, Mm. it's, it's a generational We'll be playing. People will be playing Skyrim in thirty years. I, I fully believe it. Um, yes. But you know, we've we're, we're past that. So then, my only other thing, and I'll pass it over to you, Joe, is like to to give Starfield credit. Is how do we judge Cyberpunk going forward? Because Cyberpunk should not get credit for what it is today. Back in twenty twenty, mm. and Starfield launched, and even Fallout Four. Launched great with complete games that weren't broken and were fun and, and and mostly were what they were promised. And Cyberpunk was should have been illegal to sell the product with, yeah. when it came out. Well, it, it, um, it almost was. Like, plus Sony took it down from the Sony storefront. took it down off the story. You couldn't even buy it. So then yeah. you go you go to um, you go to now in twenty twenty three with the two update. You know, excusing Phantom Liberty, pushing that to the side. Mm. The two update, it's far 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 more work than just patching the game up to fix it. They've even said, I think, between patches and Phantom Liberty and um, maybe, I don't know if Edge Runners was included in the cost or not, they've spent almost, they've spent a whole other video game's development yeah. worth of money yeah. to rebuild Cyberpunk's, how it looks, its reputation. Exactly. Um, so, if we're going to judge Cyberpunk going forward, I would just propose we judge it like MCC. I would say I we agree. never forget the way MCC launched. 
MCC was a shit product when it came out. So was Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And nothing will ever change. They came out that way. Nothing will change how pl- unplayable they were at that time. Mm-hmm. But I think once you acknowledge that and you come up to where we're at now in 2023 with Cyberpunk and with, with Master Chief Collection, just continue to throw that in there. They're great games. Master Chief Collection is one of the best collections on the planet. Agreed. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 is a fantastic RPG that should be played by anybody who loves RPGs. So I think it's like, yeah, acknowledge, like, don't try to gloss it over or say like it was always this way. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. But what it is now is really good. And I think Cyberpunk deserves to be in the conversation with Witcher 3 and Skyrim and Baldur's Gate and all these other games for a really, really good RPG. But that's that's kind of, that's kind of what I had to say on it, Joe, where Mm -hmm. I stand as far as like, comparisons with starfield and how we should treat cyberpunk going forward um i do hate we're in a state of 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 gaming where games get better over over time mm. like i hate that so much because like i don't mm. i hate to say like oh cyberpunk's good now i mean it was good at launch as far as like the the, the game itself was good yeah it just was broken um but i don't know what do you what are your what are your final thoughts in all honesty like i somewhat well, I do. I largely agree with you. There's not really a point I disagree with you. It's more the fact that, like, like it's a really difficult thing because, like, so many people, like, especially gamers, like, they are very emotionally driven when it comes to their IPs and products, especially when they've, like, done what I've done, for example, where we've, like, looked at all the trailers, followed all the development, put their trust in studios in the past, and then it comes out and it's basically, like, like, I don't know, just kind of wet flip-flop, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, whatever. Um, I think that we should judge it as it is now, um, because I think if you don't, it's a gross misservice to all the work that's been put in um, post-release. And I also think by you going in tunnel-visioned because of the launch, this is with any game, um, No Man's Sky, Halo MCC, etc., etc. If you do that, you're... In my opinion, you're inconveniencing yourself more than you are the development studio. Like you are sacrificing and stopping you, yourself having a great time in a game that is fixed, all because of, in my opinion, in very, very much. I think I do attribute it to stubbornness. I really do. Like you can hold your opinion. I will always stand here and say the launch was absolutely dreadful, and it should should have never happened. And it was a shame that the developers had their product put out in that state. Because there was lack of communication, there was pressure from the shareholders, there was pressure from the dev- uh, the, the, the fans in, in many ways because of the release date. But at the end of the day, the book stops at the top, and that's on the execs. And a thing happened recently with Cyberpunk 2.0, like just before Cyberpunk 2.0 and Phantom Liberty released, um, where a executive, lead creative, I think there, I can't exactly remember who, so I'm not going to name a name, you can find it, was like, oh yeah, Cyberpunk was always good. Cyberpunk 2077 was I read that. Yeah. You, you know, you guys are, are, are smoking crack, basically. And everyone was like... People made, uh, he, said, he said people made a bigger deal than it was. Yes. No, they did not. No, they did not. That game was broken, and you deserved every single bit of slack you got. Every yeah. single review that knocked you down, you deserved every single thing you got. Not the developers, not the people that were on the grindstone every day, on the assembly line, making that game, slaving away, crunching. Not them. Your executives, though, your bottom line deserve to be hurt. Your stock prices deserve to be fallen, and those refunds deserve to happen because yeah. because of what happened, because of your decision-making. It's as simple as that. Now, again, I'm not going to say that's representative of the current game because that's not fair. 
what I will say to round it out in terms of Cyberpunk's current state and the state I played it even in 1.6, so prior to 2.0, so it's a be- even better game now, no doubt, is as the base game, I have never connected with, aside from The Witcher 3, I have never connected with a bunch of characters on a RPG with dialogue choices as much as Cyberpunk. I have never virtually simped over a character such as Pan Am ever in my life. There's a lot of Pan Am simp out there. Bro, I have never, ever simped that hard for a virtual character and wanted a character to to be so real in my life, much to my dismay. Um, I, I urge people to play this game, genuinely. Even if it's just to get into it, casually play it, you don't have to do all the content. But I think that when we stand here and we say the narrative is too short and we wanted more i think that is i'll leave it on this i think that's because that is a testament to the overall world that cd project red has created with cyberpunk 2077 from the tabletop by mike pondsmith yeah yeah and it's, you know i think if i haven't read if i haven't said enough already like it's not out of any kind of like negative underhanded reason that we keep mentioning this along Star- starfield no. so much it's just we, because i mean i love starfield like it's great it's fun they're very, they're very similar like they're not in some ways they're not similar at all but in other ways they're very similar games you know i i just went from what like i said i just went from one first person sci-fi rpg mm. to another mm. with you know lots of you know they both have quests and dialogue decisions mm. and you know i mm. think where like it's kind of what are you looking for too because like starfield gave me it made me feel like the center of the universe where every character and place was waiting for me to make my judgment call. Mm. But I never really walk away. And this goes for even some of the best, like, you know, I would, I'd give Skyrim, I mean, I'd have, maybe I'd have to come back and think harder on this, but I feel like I'd give Skyrim a 10, like out of 10. I do. Um, Yeah. So like even going back to Skyrim, like I don't really care that much about any character or any story moment in Skyrim that deeply None of it really gets to me. Like I, I remember Cicero, and I remember, um, you know, characters. I mean, see, I can't remember a ton of yeah, Brynjolf and remember, stuff like that for the Thieves the, Guild. And. The yeah, yeah, the the chick from Dawnguard, Serena or whatever. Mm. Like I remember her, but like yeah, yeah, the vampire. Yeah, it's it's really just like how the world of Skyrim made me feel, and and, and exploring that world and living in it and becoming a dragonborn and mm. and uh, it's a power fantasy. It's a power like, fantasy. Like Bethesda RPGs are power fantasies, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's yeah. the point of their game systems. But then with with Cyberpunk, I walk away thinking about the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. And, and and the thing is, they they also have the the world to back it up. But you know, it's different though. It's different. Like I think mm. about Judy and and Johnny Silverhand and Taikamura and these characters and and my V, of course. Um, more than like when I walk away from Bethesda game, I end up thinking about the experience I had where this is like, oh, the characters and the story sit with me. Mm. Also something that this is kind of a teeny bit off topic, but like I've thought about it a lot and had anywhere to mention it is, you know, Fallout 4 did the voice protagonist thing and everyone shit all over it, including me. I didn't like it. Mm. Um, and Cyberpunk is voice protagonist the whole way through. But I think there's two major reasons for that. And one of them I just mentioned. One is Bethesda makes these games to be these immersive sims where you get to be the center of the world and i think having the voice character took so much away from that but then almost even bigger than that is that there was not that many dialogue options in fallout 4 yes for your character it was like one two three and four whereas cyberpunk 
doesn't feel that way at all. It feels like they had V record, the guy who did V record a lot of lines, and also girl who recorded V. Um, when I play it, I feel like all my decisions and what I want is there and the options on the mm. dialogue for me to mm. for me to progress. So, I mean, they're just they're different types of games, and it's not to you know to drag one down or or to to, to prop one up necessarily. And like I said. You know, Joe definitely likes Cyberpunk more. I still like Starfield more as a as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave I gave Starfield an eight, and I gave Cyberpunk a nine. So they're not even that far apart on the scale. They're they're good for different reasons. Um, and then as well as you know, we were saying like, should we judge a game on how it is now or how it was when it launched? Well, remember how it was at launch, but also um, it's worth acknowledging how it is now as well because I, I can see a world where Starfield. Has had tons of updates uh, where the procedurally generated pla- generated generated planets are maybe built out more. Yes, with more actual content. Um, maybe there's expansions Please. that add different things. <laughs> um, maybe there's uh, maybe they add a dune buggy or like some kind of like Speed hover up. boots yeah. that make it so you can travel on the planet not just by walking. There's, Please. there's more that's Please, Bethesda. Yeah, there's more that's going to be coming, and I'm sure we'll be reassessing Starfield in the future as well. Um, but I, I just think it's very interesting. To to see what Cyberpunk always was, but was held back by because of the bugs and the glitches and not being finished. Yeah. But to also see how I think it speaks to how good Cyberpunk is that it feels like a brand new 2023 release to me. It does not feel older or behind mm. in any way compared to anything else that's come out since yep. or is coming out around it. And if you haven't played Cyberpunk at all. This is the time to play it. It might as well be a 2023 release for you. Yeah. Um, and then if you, I mean, just buy the main game. That's honestly all you need. But like, if you want to pay the extra 30 and get the Phantom Liberty as well, you have Idris Alba in there and and um, have another like potential ending opened up by having that uh, the DLC. I would do that. But um, yeah, final thoughts, Cyberpunk, amazing game. I'm so glad I revisited it. I'm planning to hopefully jump back into it after I finish my Spider-Man uh, 2 oh, playthrough. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But because um, I want to finish the the Phantom Liberty part, like mm. I don't know, dude, it's just cool seeing Idris Elba in the game because it's like yeah, yeah. I can shake his hand, interact with him, and it's like, he, like I said, like we've said, he's fully mocapped and animated, mm. so it feels like I get to interact with Idris Elba. Like that dude never paid yeah. any attention to real life, but you know. Yeah, and I, I think that like it's a, uh, I think something what we haven't spoke on is like kind of those celebrity appearances, you know, like a lot of a lot of games use them like i think of like john burn is it burnthal from the walking dead in a uh, ghost yeah. recon breakpoint um and another uh, games that, I, that I'm, uh there's uh kit harrington in uh call of duty call of duty and conor mcgregor like yeah and i think a lot of them just use it for a marketing thing and while yes keanu being in cyberpunk 2077 was you know uh was a marketing thing most likely first I think that the way they developed him into a Johnny... Like, I don't look at Johnny Silverhand personally and think Keanu because it's very different to a lot of Keanu roles, um, in my opinion. And I, I I would assume the same thing would be the case with Idris Elba. Um, the the only thing I can compare it to, genuinely, is, again, like, my second favorite game of all time, Death Stranding, where you've got, like, Norman Reedus and Leia Seydoux and uh, Mads Mikkelsen and stuff like that and Guillermo del Toro. Like, even though it's full of all these, like, celebrity appearances and it can turn a lot of people off... It's how you utilize that, and I feel like Cyberpunk alongside Death Stranding and stuff, they they use that really well, and I think that's a that's a genuine strength <coughs> strength because for someone who is, um, for someone who normally when I watch things like the Game Awards and Al Pacino walks on stage and stuff, and I'm just kind of like, 
Okay, you're clearly here because you've been paid. You know, like all yeah. credit to you, you're a legend and stuff, but let's keep my industry, my industry, please, a little bit. Yeah. Like that's gatekeeper of me, but like let's keep it authentic. For me to actually open up to having Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk and Idris Elba and uh, Norman Reedus and stuff in Death Stranding, I think that goes to show as someone as cynical as me on this topic can actually open up with this stuff. It's and really it shows cool how it does it well. Well, and you can tell like somebody like Keanu really cared about this role. I was, yes. it was so, dude, it was so cool. It gave me like a nerd freak out moment. I was watching a behind the scenes with him, uh, with, with Keanu Reeves and an interviewer was asking him about, I, I, I'm making, I'm paraphrasing the camera up. She asked him about like Arasaka or something like that. Mm. And Keanu literally started to go like, fucking corpos he stopped himself he was like no that's what johnny would say i gotta yeah, answer yeah. like i'm keanu here yeah he like he's so into the role but yeah oh, dude it's 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 a great game and uh i love it i love it i want you guys to play any other thoughts yeah. before we, i take us out of here joe no not at all like the only thing i would say is just play it give it a try i i would say by now it's definitely on a must play list for everyone to at least yep. try um I think you will love the world in it as long as you can you can obviously get past like the the mature themes in the world um that it sets out depending on like your tastes obviously because not everyone's obviously interested and and, and and up for that stuff which is entirely fine but yeah just give it a go it's a brilliant game and also like if you can watch edge runners either before during or after per, like preferably before because once you get into that world and you see these environments and you're like oh david was there or oh lucy was there and oh i've been to these places i'm telling you like i'm not just inflating this this is not like me talking shit like i genuinely believe that edge runners takes it up at least a point yeah. um in really bringing that world into something that is really significant to the player yeah man guys it's it's a it's a really good time um i definitely think if somebody said i think you could i think you could make a broad statement and say like oh if you like you know it's another it's another fantastic game from cd project red like it's mm. another like you could say it's another Witcher three, even if I know like for some people that'd be like heresy because I, I I think me me and me and Joe both think Witcher three is better, but like it's on that quality level, even if it's not as good, you know. So it's another mm. outstanding uh, game from CD Projekt Red. But guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Um, I, hopefully we can re- get recovered here. You know, uh, like I guess yeah. I have COVID. Joe has flu and Josh is out with his back, but this is one of six off the list from the the topics we wanted to cover. We got Cyberpunk 2077 out of the way. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, you're breathtaking. Okay, I'll tell you why I want to destroy Arasaka, but I'll only tell you once. Want to hear it? All right. I saw a corpse strip farmers of water, and eventually of land. Saw them transform Night City into a machine fueled by people's crushed spirits, broken dreams, and empty pockets. Corpse have long controlled our lives, taken lots, and now they're after our souls. Might be right. Can't really argue with you there. V, I've declared war not because capitalism's a thorn in my side or out of nostalgia for an America gone by. This war's a people's war against a system that spiraled out of our control. It's a war against the fucking forces of entropy. Understand? 
Do whatever it takes to stop him. Defeat him. Gut him. If I gotta kill, I'll kill. If I need your body, I'll fucking take it. Fucking hell. You still don't see it, but you will one day. <laughs>